This week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast is brought to you by Kraft Mild Natural Cheddar Cheese. Enjoy Kraft Mild Cheddar Cheese Cheese Blocks. Each block of natural cheese has rich, full flavors, perfect for any dish. Shred the cheese for your favorite recipes or cut off slices for entertaining. Always made from fresh milk. Kraft natural blocks of cheese are perfect for your family. For over 100 years, Kraft has been making the cheese your family loves. So no matter how you like it, Kraft has got a cheese for you. Hit that ish. And sorry, I knew you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. It is so good to be back with you after the week off. Had a lot going on, but here I am, and I promise you, I got a lot of exciting new things coming that I was working on, brainstorming ideas for what I'm going to be doing. So I just want to get those things out of the way before we talk all the usual balls and a few new balls. First off, some new segments. In this episode, I don't think it's any secret, but... Um, If you do not know me that well, personally, I'm a huge WWE fan, and I always kind of want to talk a little bit about that, so instead of starting this entire new podcast, wrestling-themed, I'm going to do a little bit of a recap and thoughts of like big things going on in WWE. That segment is always going to be the last segment, so if you're not... Really wanting to hear that, don't worry, that's going to be the last thing I talk about every episode, don't worry, but just something I wanted to get in there. Also, today on this episode of Garden Sack, we're going to be introducing on this day in history for sports, going to look back on the day that the podcast is going to come out and read you some things and events that happened that day in history, in sports, so that's something I'm excited about, and then starting next week, next week this is something I'm really excited about. Um, Netflix, Hulu, HBO Go, anything like that. If you have it, great. If not, I'm not going to go tell you to buy it. No free ads. I don't really give a shit. But um, I'm going to sit down and watch a Netflix or a Hulu or an HBO Go or something like that sports documentary or sports series and reviewing that and just giving my thoughts and whatnot on that. So that's something I'm excited. I don't have a name for it yet, but... I'll take requests or input or anything on good documentaries or series that revolve around sports from people that DM me or anything like that. I'll do that for sure. That's going to debut next week, and I'll have a name for that by next week. And also, a new segment that I'm going to do is who is going to get the game ball for the week. Um, Probably do about two to three Maybe sometimes one if there's really only one obvious choice, but just somebody in the world of sports who has been killing it lately, that's also a new segment that's going to be coming. Um, Football season is winding down. There's only three games left, and I need something to fill time. So that's probably going to 
happen as well. Those are some new segments that are coming next week. And also, like I said, the WWE segment is going to happen this week. And also next week, we are also going to do the mail sack again. So keep your eyes peeled around next Monday or Tuesday for the Instagram and Snapchat stories I post so you can send in questions. I really enjoy doing that, um, having fan interaction like that. So that's just something to keep your eye on. As I mentioned earlier, we are going to talk about some balls that we have not talked about previously, really here on Carson Sack, and we're going to get that started right now with talking a little golf on the PGA Tour. Nothing really exciting, crazy has happened. Uh, Xander Schauffele won two weeks ago in Hawaii this past week. Matt Kuchar won, and the big issue with Kuchar was not the fact that he won or anything like that. One by four strokes wasn't really... Um, a tournament of worry for Kuchar. He was in control pretty much the whole time. But what is a little out there that it's sort of just now coming out is he previously had played in Mexico, I believe, and won a tournament there. And the purse for the tournament was $1.3 million. It's a shitload of money. I'm not going to sit here and act like it isn't. It's a shitload of money. And... He did it without um, his normal caddy. He was using a local caddy um, by the name or nickname of L2Can, which dope fucking nickname. That's dope. Don't call me that, but golly, that's a cool nickname. Um, so what happened was Kucher wins the tournament, $1.3 million with this local caddy. And normally a percentage of the winnings goes to the caddy. And most of the time, if it's your regular caddy, it's 10%. So $1.3 million, $130,000. That's a shit ton of money to caddy. And I get that's not the going rate every time you win. You're not always going to get the $1.3 million purse, turning it over $130,000 for your caddy. All fluctuates on the different purses and winnings and things like that. Totally understand. With what I've heard, Kuchar stiffed him and gave him about $3,000. That's ridiculously low for what Kuchar racked in for that week. And overall, Kuchar is pretty much thought as this like laid-back um, guy on tour that is just kind of like a, a dad or like an uncle that you're just like, he's just the not the... Not the weird, also goofy. He's like the goofy uncle on tour that just kind of easygoing, gets along with everybody, doesn't cuss really. Um, but this kind of hurts his image with what he's got going on. He did address this issue in a interview and said, I didn't do um, $3,000. It was more, but how much more was it? Like 4000 5000 if anything, I think he comes out, he should, L2KN should come out and be like, yo, this is what he paid me, but I don't think he's going to do that, and Kuchar, I don't think is ever going to really come out and be like, no, I, I paid him $30,000, because I think, unless it's substantial, like 70000 or something like that, just because apparently L2KN wasn't the best caddy that there was, I mean, apparently he wasn't helping out Kuchar that much, but either way, you still should provide something more than $3,000, which... Apparently, Kucher says he didn't do, but who knows what the actual number was. I think only probably two people know for a fact, L2Can and Kucher. But like I said, L2Can should come out, 
tell him what he was paid, tell us what he was paid, and we'll move on. But that's really about the biggest news this week coming out of golf was that Kuchar's image is kind of in the shitter now because apparently he stiffed El Tucan and apparently um, tipping wise he's not that generous either. So this goofy uncle, I get, yeah. Um, you have an image on tour and that's sort of it, but it is kind of ruined right now because of this report. So El Tucan, if you were a listener of Carson Sack, just come on out. If you want to come on the podcast, you come on the podcast and talk all you want about Matt Kuchar and the experience and how much he paid you. That'd be great to hear. Now we move on to the new, one of the new segments that I talked about, and it's the This Day in History of Sports, and one of the biggest things that happened on January 16th in sports in 1988, Jimmy the Greek was fired from CBS TV for racial remarks. Jimmy the Greek was one of the first well-known bettors in American culture, sports culture, and came out and in an interview on uh, CBS talked about how black athletes were better than Americans and they're bred different and all this stuff and it sat wrong with a bunch of people and that led to his firing. So that is one of the events that happened um, today, January 16th in 1988 for this day in sports history. Now we move on to NFL talk, and it is a big weekend for the NFL. As I mentioned, there are only three more games left of the NFL season, and they are some good ones. They look like they're going to be some good ones, at least. We go and just talk about the divisional round a little bit. The Colts played the Chiefs. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer than what it was going to be. Um, the weather didn't play as much of a factor as people were thinking. The Chiefs were able to put up a lot of points and get pressure on Andrew Luck. Their defense plays so much better at Arrowhead than it does on the road. It's ridiculous. They have the most sacks in the NFL when they're playing at Arrowhead, and the Chiefs won 31-13. to um, The other game on Saturday, January 12th, you had the Rams beat the Cowboys 30-22. to Score kind of indicates this game was closer than what it actually was. I know that the Cowboys did at the end um, have a chance to uh, stop the Rams and get the ball back and have a potential game-winning drive, game-tying drive with Dak Prescott, but Jared Goff on a third down naked bootleg, which looked like it was going to be a pass, and then he just took off, got the first down, and that was the end of that. Um, Moving on to the Sunday, January 13th, and what people thought was going to be like an upset, and people were saying, oh, the, this is the year that the Patriots fall off. That just wasn't the fucking case at all. The Patriots came out and blew out the Chargers 41-28. to Tom Brady fucking killed it. Um, in the game, Brady was, he was 34 for 44 for 343 yards, only one touchdown. Sonny Michelle on the ground all, all year has been good, but in this game, 24 carries for 129 yards and three touchdowns. Julian Edelman had his best game of the year with 151 yards. Philip Rivers, I mean, he didn't play bad. He threw the ball 51 times for 331 yards and three touchdowns and an interception, but that game was just never close, and the Patriots pretty much just whipped their dick out and said, yeah, we're the Patriots, you're the Chargers, this is how this is going to go. And then the final game, which 
started out real hot for the Eagles. They jumped out to a 14-0 lead against the Saints, and the Saints held them scoreless in the entire second half. Um, the Saints won that game 20-14. to Michael Thomas was the big star of that game. He had 12 receptions for 171 yards and a touchdown. Drew Brees was surgical as always, 301 yards and two touchdowns. Nick Foles didn't play bad. Um, he did have a touchdown through the air and a touchdown on the ground. The big news is Alshon Jeffrey dropping the pass that was just went right through his hands and then intercepted by Marshawn Lattimore to seal the game for the Saints. Alshon Jeffrey earlier on in the year um, talking about how he has the best hands in the NFL and everything, and that kind of comes back and bit him on the ass and everything like that. So that's a little uh, upsetting. If you're an Eagles fan, I'm not. I don't give a shit about the Eagles at all, but a um, little bit of karma for him not being able to back that up. We move on, and the games this week, Sunday, January 20th, at 3.05, you have the NFC Championship game, you have the Rams and the Saints, and then at 6.40, you have the Patriots and the Chiefs. The Rams go to the Saints, and that's where the story begins. It's a game that is being held in New Orleans. I've said it multiple times on this podcast before that I don't really think where you play the game, unless it's like in the cold or something like that, matters really where the home games are played, except for a handful of stadiums and cities. And both of these games, the divisional game, the conference championship games, excuse me, are taking place in cities where the home field advantage does matter and matters a lot. Not in one case with the Saints. I don't want to say their numbers aren't as good at home, but I it's proven with the Chiefs that they are. With the Saints, the Dome is sort of like this mythical place thought of like, oh, if you go there, you're fucked. Like you aren't going to win. That happened earlier in the year with the Rams. They went there in a close game and lost. Another big thing in the NFL is it's extremely hard to beat the same team twice in a year. Extremely hard. It's You look at it, and most of the games with individuals aren't being swept or anything like that. Just That just doesn't happen. Both of these are rematches of games that happened earlier in the year. The Saints and the Patriots both won those. It, it sort of behooves me. With that point I just made to say, oh, the Rams and the Chiefs are going to win, but I just don't think that's the case. I think a big thing that is going to be on the Rams' mind is stopping the run. Uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara have been great on the ground all year for the Saints, and I think that's going to continue without a doubt. I think they slow them down, but the way Marcus Peters was abused by Amari Cooper, who was taken in the first round is a number one receiver in the NFL but not anywhere near how good Michael Thomas is and Dak Prescott is nowhere near good of a quarterback as Drew Brees is okay we understand that but what I'm saying is even if he's not thrown to Michael Thomas Drew Brees is so surgical and so precise and puts the ball where only his receivers have a chance to make a play on it and all these other quarterback cliches about good quarterbacks that I know Aqib Tlaib is back there as well, and they're probably not just going to have Peters on Michael Thomas because 
um, in the game earlier this year. Michael Thomas burned Peters for the game-winning touchdown and matchup issues and everything like that. I just think that I, I, do, I know like it's hard to think that the Rams are going to like not prepare enough for Drew Brees, but I think that they're going to put so much emphasis on stopping the run that Drew Brees is going to come out and just tear them apart in their secondary. And I think also the same is going to happen with the Saints trying to stop Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. I think both these quarterbacks are going to have huge games. I think this game, it's probably not going to be as high scoring and as like showtime and flat like all that stuff that the Rams Chiefs game was on Monday Night Football earlier in the year but this game is going to be super high scoring I feel like and I know that's sort of not 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 just because of how much is on the line and how I don't want to say how much harder but how much passion and intensity teams play with especially with a conference championship on the line but I just think that both these offenses are so good uh Sean McVay uh, and Sean Payton are such good coaches and can get matchups for players and get their guys in positions where they can go make plays. That I just think that's what's going to happen um, all over the board for both offenses. In the end, though, I think that the Saints are going to win, and I think it's going to be because of a Mark Ingram touchdown or something like that. Mark Ingram's going to make a play in this game. I don't know when it's going to happen. Could be in the first quarter and just sets the tone. Could be in the second quarter and turns the tide. Third quarter, turns the tide. Fourth quarter, dagger. I don't know when it's going to happen, but Mark Ingram is going to have a big play or a big drive that he just takes over this game, and that is going to propel the Saints to the Super Bowl. That's my breakdown of the NFC championship game. Let's move on now to the AFC championship game. All right, so we move on to the AFC Championship game and a rematch of a game that happened earlier this year where the Patriots beat the Chiefs 43-40. to And since then, the Chiefs have taken care of business. Patrick Mahomes has pretty much, I don't want to say has won the MVP because some people are going to say Drew Brees, all this stuff, but has put himself firmly in the conversation for league MVP this year. And the Patriots have sort of been up and down, up and down. Um, only one game separates these team in wins and losses. Chiefs are 12 and four. Patriots are 11 and five. Um, the football power index has the Chiefs as a 66% chance favorite to win this game. I am just so concerned with Patrick Mahomes making a mistake, forcing a ball, and we've seen him do that, just sort of like getting pressured out of the pocket and just flings it as far as he can fucking throw it, which is a country damn mile. But there's he, he just does that too much for me sometimes. Um, on the other end, what has given the Patriots problems in the past and what is going to give them problems Sunday is Tom Brady under pressure Um, like I said the Chiefs have the most sacks in the NFL at home this year and I think that's a trend that's going to continue Sunday I think they're going to be able to get after Tom as well what I think both of these defenses are going to have to do is adopt that whole Ben don't break mentality I know I say that a lot on this podcast but it's 
my defensive strategy because it's so hard to have a shutdown defense in any league, NCAA or NFL. If you are going to let teams move the ball between the 40s or the 20s and then shut it down in the red zone, that's totally fine. Limit to field goals, turnovers, things like that. But obviously you got to try and keep teams out of the end zone. Not always going to happen, but whichever team here can defensively make a play and get their offense back on the field in a big moment, I think is going to win. And if Sony Michelle can do half of what he did last game and control and the Patriots can control the time of possession and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field and that explosive offense, I think the Patriots are going to have a real good chance to win this. Um, I hate to say that. I don't even hate the Patriots. I respect the hell out of them because to do what they've done for so long and be so great for so long as they have been, like Brady is the GOAT, Belichick's the GOAT, and then they're just philosophy and everything. It works. Another thing that I like for the Patriots is... No one's really been able to stop Patrick Mahomes all year, and I don't think anybody's really going to be. I don't think Belichick's going to come up with this magnificent secret game plan that is going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes this Sunday. I think, though, that he's going to concoct something of some sort of scheme or a game plan or a defensive strategy that will be able to slow him down enough for Tom Brady and the Patriots to win. I can foresee something happening to where... Maybe it's like a seven-point game or a ten-point game or something like that. Um, the Chiefs being down and Mahomes forcing a ball downfield and the Patriots intercepting it. I can't get that image out of my head um, of Mahomes like rolling right and just heaving the ball deep and one of them Cordy twins intercepting the ball. I cannot get that image out of my head. So. If I'm going to have a prediction on this, I think this game's a lot more low scoring. I think both of these defenses are going to show up and play extremely well. And in the end, I think that Mahomes makes one mistake, forcing a ball downfield when he shouldn't, and interception, and that seals the game for the Patriots. And your Super Bowl is the New England Patriots against the New Orleans Saints for Super Bowl 53. And that might not be right. It might not. I don't fucking know. But if it is, I told you so. If it wasn't, I didn't say shit. Like, don't worry about it. Either way, we're going to talk about it next week on Carson Sack. So gear up for that. It's going to be a great weekend of NFL football. I'm super excited, and I can almost guarantee you all are too. Moving on, just want to quickly touch on a few things in college football. Because I didn't record last week, I did not really get to talk about the college football playoff championship game. And just a few notes and thoughts from that game. Uh, Holy shit, Clemson was the best team in college football all year. And I was extremely wrong um, judging them off of just their shitty schedule. They were head and shoulders the best team in college football this past year and I think I don't think this is the official like changing the guard or anything like that from Saban to Dabo any nothing like that but what I think this does do is how Alabama has always been afforded that one loss um, as long as no matter where it came they were always sort of afforded that one loss to where they were going to be in 
the college football playoff if they lost one game. And I think now that Clemson has sort of garnered that same respect. They might have had it in the past years, but I think with what they did in the national championship game and how badly they beat Alabama, that is now their privilege as well. They can mess up one game, and as long as they win their conference, which Alabama sometimes doesn't still makes the playoff, um, if they if their loss is a good loss, and I hate fucking saying good loss because no loss is a good loss, but if they don't, like Ohio State does sometimes, like how they lost to Iowa two years ago and Purdue this year, if they don't get blown out in their loss and lose badly, they're going to make the college football playoff as one of the four best teams. And that's huge for Dabo and that team being able to play loose. Trevor Lawrence, coming back now, has at least two more years. He says he wants to win at least um, two more championships. Obviously, no shit, but I don't think that's going to happen. He has opened as a Heisman favorite with Tua for this coming year. That's going to be super intriguing. Um, What is concerning for Clemson, if you're a Clemson fan, their entire front seven is leaving the NFL, so you got to rebuild on that. But uh, Brent Venerables and Dabo do a great job with defense and recruiting. Just stout, good defensive players, especially defensive linemen, that I think that might be a bit of a concern this summer and everything, but I think they'll have that figured out and everything by next season. Um, Other news in college football, Tate Martell just now coming out has transferred to Miami, um, the Ohio State quarterback. Sort of got a raw deal with um, Haskins starting this year, which I think he was fine with that. I think he understood that was probably what was going to happen. But then the whole Justin Fields thing, the transfer from Georgia to Ohio State, really threw a cog in his plan. Um, Sort of a bad look on Martell's part where he posted these tweets and stuff on Instagram, sort of not saying he not say, saying he wasn't going to back down or anything, but then he transfers. Um, he was showing interest to U of L, Miami, a couple other schools. I hope nothing but success for Tate Martell. Also, his real name is Tathan. Holy shit! How how much of a douchebag name is that? Tate is already like douche, and then you add Tathan onto that. My lord! But no, um. My first reaction is he is going to go down there and they are going to build that offense around him and he is going to put up points and he's going to put up yards and he's going to be sensational. My other reaction is I don't think right off he's a quarterback that is going to win you a national championship. And I think that's why Ohio State and Ryan Day... welcomed Fields in. I think Ryan Day saw that and was like, fuck, Fields... I understand. The talent that Fields is, you don't say no to that. You don't say no to a type of player like that with that type of talent and everything, especially if he wants to come to your program. You don't say no. But I've always been a Tate Martell fan. I'm not going to stop being a Tate Martell fan. I hate how things worked out for him just in a bad situation. Um... 
But I don't think he wins a national championship or anything like that at Miami. But he's going to be super exciting to watch. And I wish nothing but the best for Tate Martell and his adventures down in Miami. And moving on to some more news with college football. Um, Clemson last night went to the White House. And because of the government shutdown, there were no chefs or anything in the White House, I believe. And Donald Trump got them fast food, and people are really bitching and complaining about that. I mean, if I'm a college student, like, yeah, I'm eating fast food a lot, everything like that. Um, This is not, we are not a political podcast. I'd like to state that 100% right before this goes any further. But it would have been nice, I think, if I was a just a recent national champion and I'm going to the White House. I, I would expect a steak dinner. Um, maybe some fish, salmon, tilapia, um, maybe some chicken, I don't know, pasta maybe. Um, if you're telling me that he thought, oh, that's a good idea, let's just get them all McDonald's and everything like that. Cater, like, no, like you could cater from fucking anywhere. Like, cater from a nice place and just get a fuck ton of good food. Because these guys, like, no matter what, I don't know what the policy was with Dabo with having his players go or anything, but going to the White House, I no matter who's in office, is something that, and meeting the President of the United States, not everybody gets that opportunity. And they're going to have that image of, oh, we just ate fucking Big Macs and filet of fishes What the hell? Like, you could have catered from anywhere, Donnie. You could have. You should have. Um, and you didn't have Taco Bell, like... Shout out to you for at least not eating Taco Bell to match your immigration policy, but whatever. Um, that's my two cents on that. I think that was sort of made like a way bigger deal. Like, yeah, he should have gotten from somewhere else, but like for him to get slammed as hard as he did, like who really gives a shit? It's just food. Like, let's get over it. But if I was there, I would have been like, well, what the hell? But I still would have ate like, all the Big Mac. Not all the Big Macs, but probably like three or four and two or three fries. But still, that's just me. All right. We talked NCAA football. Now I want to talk about NBA basketball. Don't really talk a lot about that, but some things have been going on that we can talk about. LeBron James is still out, and the Lakers are imploding. They lost to the Cavaliers last night. Bad loss. They're only up eight as I'm recording this now against the Bulls in the fourth quarter, though, so could salvage this game and win against the Bulls. Um, A big news story is the way that James Harden has been playing. He's been playing out of his fucking mind. Um, He had his 12th 50-point game of his career last night. Um, He's got a streak, um, I believe, of 16 or 17 games in a row with at least 30 points. That's mind-boggling. On the other hand, Chris Paul's out, Brandon Knight's out, um, all Eric Gordon's out, a bunch of players on his team's out. So he's really like, Clint Cabela is also out for a lengthy amount of time. So he's really the only offensive option. So the way fouls are called on him and how often he gets the line and the whole issue of traveling with the step back bullshit movie does, I don't, whatever. I don't, if he can do it, whatever. Don't call traveling. I don't, I don't care. But I don't foresee that streak stopping anytime soon because he's going to get his. I don't really think he gives a shit if they win or lose right now. Seeding is it's important, but right now isn't when you're going to like just totally 
lose a good seed in the playoff race. Um, so I think his mental mindset right now is, hey, I'm going to ball the fuck out so everybody gets back. I'm going to pad my MVP numbers and hopefully going to win some games. And if we don't, that's fine. We didn't have all these other guys on the team, and we'll take care of it when it comes playoff time. Speaking of seeding um, in the West, the Nuggets have surprisingly been the number one seed in the West. But um, tonight, Golden State just kicked the shit out of them. Uh, beat them 142-111 to 111 in Denver, 30-piece them. And this was all without DeMarcus Cousins. And I know people, DeMarcus Cousins is coming back sooner rather than later. And I know people are probably going to question how he's going to fit in with this Warriors lineup and how they're going to be able to do things and he's not really this run and gun guy he um, doesn't shoot threes everything like that I think those people are idiots Um, he's one of the best centers in the NBA and he's on one of the best teams in the NBA I mean for Christ's sakes their lineup is going to be Steph Clay, Draymond, KD, DeMarcus Cousins. That's an all-star lineup, and that's going to be the starting lineup for the Warriors. Um, I don't foresee any long-term real downside for DeMarcus Cousins in Golden State. He's going to probably, there's going to be some growing pains, things like that, but come playoff time, he's going to be ridiculous, and the Warriors are going to be ridiculous. Um... Other big news is there's some uh, some animosity going on with the Boston Celtics. Apparently, Kyrie um, was a little unhappy at the end of a game uh, two games ago when he got a game-winning shot and it missed and he was mad at Hayward and all this other confusion was going on. He commented about it at the end, sort of said it was no big deal, whatever, 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 and then... They, the next game they play, they get blown out by the Brooklyn Nets. Nets aren't that great. Um, Nets fans also started chanting, Kyrie's leaving while the subs were in, and it was a blowout loss, whatever. Um, I definitely by now thought that how good of a coach Brad Stevens is that the Celtics would have these rotations figured out and lineups figured out. Um, they sort of did for a while when they started bringing uh, Gordon Hayward off the bench, but that's no more a thing. So that is a dumpster fire waiting to happen. Like right now, they literally have the flame right next to the TNT and a few more pushes a few more inches closer that thing's going to blow um how do you push that back so it doesn't happen just win and i think they're going to end up winning a lot more games this year obviously but right now they're very close to imploding with just the way that the ex- expectations they have had the fans have had the organizations had and what has actually happened not living up right now and i'm not saying let's push the panic button yet it's not even the all-star game yet but it is extremely close to something real bad happening i feel like now let's move on to some ncaa basketball talk um big slate of games this saturday starting at noon with the second ranked michigan wolverines going to wisconsin i think this is where michigan suffers their first loss of the year i think the badgers get it done 
North Carolina also faces Miami that day. North Carolina gets a big win, a big rebound win after getting beat by 21 points last Saturday, last Saturday, last Saturday by UofL at North Carolina. They got a big win tonight as I'm recording this against Notre Dame. And I think the momentum is going to continue to roll for North Carolina as they're going to beat Miami. Another big game that we have Saturday is Indiana, 25th in the country, goes to Purdue. Carson Edwards, if you don't know about him, get to know him. He is a damn good basketball player. Um, leads the team with 25 points per game. Um, him and Romeo Langford are going to go at it in this game. It's going to be a great game. I think Purdue gets the win in this one. Um, another big game is North Carolina State going to Notre Dame. North Carolina State has struggled their past two games. They got beat by Wake Forest tonight, I believe. Um, they also did just lose to North Carolina two games ago. Um, I think this is a big game for Notre Dame and going to help their tournament resume if they can get it done. And I think they do end up beating North Carolina State in a game where both teams really need a win. Um, another big game from Saturday, you have UK going to Auburn. Auburn plays with a lot of intensity. Their guards are very good. Kentucky, the past couple games, has come out a little flat to start the games. Um, we saw that in the Vandy game. We saw that in the Georgia game, the first half. We saw it against Alabama, where they ended up losing. Um, that cannot happen this game or they're going to find themselves down and the relentless pressure and guard play that is always very good for Auburn um, and Bruce Pearl teams is going to just be relentless all game and I don't think Kentucky will be able to weigh to find itself back and another note on Kentucky if I hear one more fucking time that oh the length is really bothering Reed Travis I could give two shits like Oh my God, Reed Travis gets himself in position, so many, good position, so many times throughout the game and gets it, and he's getting up good quality shots and around the rim and not falling all the time, but I'm not worried about how he's supposedly affected by this length so much all the fucking time, like all the commentators are, not worried about that at all. Um, Ashton Higgins has really come on for UK to continue the Kentucky talk. Um, Baker as well has been playing extremely well with the minutes he's been given. I'd like to see his role expand a little bit more um, just because of the offensive threat he is. I think if we could get a lineup out there with Hagens, Baker, and Quickly, um, and Hero, their shooting and what they'd be able to do and how fast they'd be able to play with maybe PJ at the five or Reed at the five or any of the big guys at the five and how quick they could be um, if they were playing a slow down team or a team that wanted to run. I think that'd be a hell of a lineup. I know that's not a lot of size down low, which could maybe be exploited, but gosh, that'd be a hell of a lineup. Um, Kentucky has played extremely well at home. Um, on the road, though, they had a losing. Well, they're even 500 now. They're three and three in neutral site and road games on the year now. Um, Kentucky enters a real difficult stretch um, starting with this game. Their next four games are tough. I believe it's at Auburn and then Mississippi State and then. They host Kansas and then at Vandy. This is the start. I think they need to go at least 3-1. and one. Maybe they drop this game. I personally don't think they do. 
I think Hagens comes out after his big game tonight against Georgia, against his hometown Bulldogs, um, the team he was previously committed to and has uh, continues riding the wave that he's been on and has a monster game Saturday along with P.J. Washington. I think both those guys, P.J.'s sort of due for a big game. Reed hasn't really had a big game either recently. I think that's going to come maybe against Kansas because they don't have a ton of length. I know length bothers them apparently, but for this game, I think it's Hagens and PJ, and they will Kentucky to a win Saturday. Another big game that's taking place Saturday is Duke and Virginia. That's a top four matchup. Duke number one in the country, Virginia number four. Um, Duke losing to Syracuse and losing uh, Tyus Jones for an extended amount of time, and Jones was one of the unsung heroes for this team. He made the offense go. He got the ball to Zion and Barrett and Cam Reddish in good positions, was an extension of Coach K on the court. It really looked like how well how well he was able to grasp the offense and play with more maturity than what his actual age was. Duke is going to miss him greatly. Um, Virginia on the year does Virginia things. Um, the game is at Duke. Kyle Guy, um, the leading scorer for Virginia with only 15 points, but facilitates and gets guys involved extremely well. <sighs> I think Duke rebounds from the loss to Syracuse and beats Virginia. I don't think it's a typical scoring game-wise that Virginia has where it's sort of low-scoring defensive-wise. Virginia tonight against Virginia Tech, who was ninth in the country, held them to 59 points. Um, Virginia was able to get up 81 points. That's pretty high for Virginia. I could see... This defense really posing problems for Zion because he sort of does get the ball down low on the block and just sort of bullies his way. And Virginia's going to have their defense ready and double and all these other things with Zion. I think this is a big game for R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, for those two guys to step the hell up. Not that they haven't. I mean, uh, Reddish hit a game-winning three at Florida State, Barrett has played consistently well. He leads the team in scoring. I'm not saying they haven't. I'm just saying this is a game where they are going to need all hands on deck and having the number one, two, and three high school recruits coming out on your team, this is the game where you need those guys to show up, and I think they do, and I think it being in Cameron Indoor Stadium and, like I said, at Duke, I just don't see... Coach K losing this game after what happened against Syracuse. A note about that Syracuse game, it appeared that Jim Behind pissed himself after the game. Um, he didn't, but if peeing your pants is cool, consider me, Jim Behind said Miles Davis. Shout out Billy Madison on that. All right, that concludes all the ball talk we need to get to and now here's the wwe segment if you don't want to listen stop listening i'm gonna give you time to hang up but if you do great um if not thank you for listening to card and sack podcast now here is 
the WWE talk, I promise you. Um, huge news coming on Monday night when Vince McMahon showed up. Braun Strowman is out of the Universal Championship match against Brock Lesnar. Finn Balor is in. There's a huge segment, huge match made from that segment. Um, Vince came out and was interrupted by John Cena, then interrupted by Drew McIntyre, then interrupted by Baron Corbin, and then finally interrupted by Finn Balor. Um, Vince McMahon slighted Finn Balor for what happened and his size and said, oh, he couldn't really handle it, whatever. Finn Balor, previous in the night, had a match with Junior Mahal, and Vince then booked a fatal four-way to determine the number one contender for Brock Lesnar's Universal Championship that was going to take Braun Strowman's place at the Royal Rumble. Um, why Braun Strowman was removed? Couple, maybe reasons why. Um, injury. He did have surgery on his arm, and don't know if he's been fully cleared yet. Another big thing is he really fucked up in a segment um, two Mondays ago on Raw for getting his lines and underperforming, and I think that really soured on Vince. I don't think either way anything that the title is going to change hands at the Royal Rumble. I don't think Brock is going to lose. I don't think he was going to lose to Braun, and I don't think he was going to. He's now going to lose to Finn. Um, another reason that people are thinking, oh, maybe that. They took Braun out because they don't want it for a third time for Braun to lose to Brock, but that wasn't really an issue with Roman. I don't know why they think they'd have that an issue with Braun, maybe because they haven't booked Braun as strongly as they did Roman. I don't fucking know, um, but that's sort of a thing that's going on. Um, another thing that is sort of not weird, but there's been back-to-back nights uh, segments where women have been scandalously dressed um and it's sort of a throwback to like the attitude era and this is the pg era now so what i mean pg like tv rating pg so you don't really see that kind of sexual things that you saw during the attitude era when more things were allowed and maybe this is sort of them saying how they had like different fresh new things and sort of getting back to how things used to be maybe that's where they're going with some of these new like racier segments and stuff but i don't really care like it did nothing for me it didn't offend me like it offended a lot of people with the way that they've pushed women's revolution but then you had like this guy walking in and on this girl changing and then this girl taking off a robe and being in lingerie like whatever it didn't bother me I don't really care, but some people, it bothered them. Um, Other news, uh, the NXT call-ups that were going to happen um, happened in sort of weird ways. There were double screens um, during matches, and then a couple of the call-ups, NXT call-ups, Lacey Evans and EC3 did like... There was a screen where the match was going on, and then the top left corner, there was them being interviewed and stuff. I think that's sort of a dumb way the first time you see it. And then Otis from Heavy Machinery came out in a segment and was, like, fumbling over his words and, like, stammering and stuff at how good-looking one of the lady wrestlers was. Lady wrestlers was. I mean, that's fine. Like, I had no problem with that. Again, more some people had a problem with it. Um, There's big news also, with the Royal Rumble now, um, this year with the Royal Rumble, I think it's super wide open who's going to win. Um, 
Like I said, I think Brock is going to retain against Finn Balor. And a lot of people are clamoring for Finn Balor to do the demon gimmick, which definitely needs to be done. I think that would just put that match and everything over the top. Apparently, Brock has wanted to work with Finn since last year's Royal Rumble, where Vince McMahon nicks that idea. Brock has great matches with smaller guys. Look at the Daniel Bryan match. Look at the AJ Styles match. They're all great matches, especially with smaller guys. I definitely think that's going to happen here. Um, I expect it to sort of be either Brock dominates right out of the gate like he did against Daniel Bryan and Finn fights back or the match that he had with Styles where Styles sort of dominates a little bit and then he's knocked back a little bit. Um, Finn Balor needs to do the demon gimmick. And as I was saying with the Royal Rumble, which takes place um, in two Sundays, uh, that match is super wide open. A lot of people are saying Seth Rollins is going to win and face Brock Lesnar, which is totally fine. No problem with that. But I've been trying to keep away from reading about like spoilers and stuff because wrestling is fake. Wrestling's, wrestling's predetermined. Wrestling's not fake. Wrestling is real. People are fake. That's the saying I'm sticking with. But... Um, I'm gonna be. I'm super excited to watch the Royal Rumble. I'll talk more about that in two weeks' episode. But like I said, just want to talk a little bit about that. Oh, Bobby Lashley is now the Intercontinental Champion, which was good because it gives him something to do. Um, it gets the title, the IC Championship, away from the Dean and Seth feud that's still going on, and that feud needs to end real fucking soon. Like Dean Ambrose has been consistently disappointing now for like a year and a half, but that's another topic for another podcast, another day. But that's really the big news right now in WWE. Just want to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Royal Rumble a little bit more later on when that happens. Okay. This is the end of episode 47 of Carson sack podcast. Next week we have new segments Premiere and we have the sports documentary series review that's going to happen. We have the return of the mail sack and we have more of this day in history for sports. And we're going to talk about the NFL um, conference championship round and the weekend that was in college basketball uh, and any other fucking news that happens. We got great new stuff coming at you on Carson Sack Podcast. Thank you for listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good shit on iTunes. I appreciate you listening. And as we always end here on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls, we will be seen.